I want to start by talking about the ichthus. I don't, you may know this. Uh, this you may not know this, but uh, the Greek word for fish is the word ichthus. Everybody say ichthus. Very good. Uh, yeah, it's simply like a fish that you catch out of the pond and eat for dinner is an ichthus. And you may have seen this little drawing, a simple drawing of a fish called the ichthus. You may have seen it on the back of someone's car or in, embossed on somebody's Bible. This has been a Christian symbol for hundreds of years. And this is how it breaks down. This is your fun fact for the day. Uh, the, the word ichthus can kind of be used as a, what's it called, an acrostic. That's it for uh, the identity of Jesus. So the first letter in the word ichthus is, uh, it's an iota, and that's also the first letter in the word Jesus in Greek, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Man, it seems like you're back in time. You feel like you're the first century church when you say it like that. Uh, the next letter is chi, and the first letter in chi is, uh, or in the word Christos is chi. So that's, you see where we're going? Iota, chi. Uh, theta is for God, theu. Upsilon is huios, which is the word for sun, and then the S sound, sigma, is the first letter in the word soter, which is the Greek word for savior. So you may have known this, but Jesus Christ, son of God, savior, is the identity of Christ, and uh, it kind of fits nicely with that word ichthus. Nod your head if you already knew that. Okay, you may have heard this before. If not, there you go. Your fun fact, you can take that and share with the people that you know. But the cool thing about this is it was kind of like a secret code for Christians back when Christianity wasn't so popular, when it was suspect and it was strange and we weren't meeting in, in buildings with signs out on the front of the street. It was people saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I follow Jesus, but I'm not necessarily going to broadcast it because they could put me in jail or they could ostracize me from the marketplace or my, my business would suffer. And so, uh, a couple hundred years into Christianity, they started using this Christian fish as a symbol. And I don't know if this next part is true, but uh, I think it's cool, and I hope it's true, because it, it sounds kind of fun. But sometimes Christians would identify themselves by drawing half of the ichthus. They just draw a curved line. Like if you, if you were talking with someone, you might uh, you know, draw it in the, the dirt with your foot, the half symbol. And if somebody recognized that, oh, that's half of the symbol for Christian, the, the Christ, the ichthus, they would complete the ichthus. They draw half the circle, you draw half, and then they would draw the other half, making this Christian fish, and you have this understanding between the two of you, hey, we're both believers. Maybe we should go worship somewhere. Maybe we should pray together. That would be really refreshing uh, to find back then. So it's a little bit different now. But the people who would draw, put themselves at risk by drawing half of the ichthus in the dirt, they knew what they believed. They had strong convictions about who Jesus was and what that meant for their lives. They knew that if you follow Jesus, you have made this commitment to listening to his teachings, to following in his example. You are, you are honest when you're saying, he is the Lord of my life, and if he says something, I want to do it. This is just who I am as a Christian. So the past couple years here at Tri-Valley, we've had a rhythm of starting the new year by taking a simple teaching of Jesus and not just studying it, not just talking about it, but actually trying to live it out and put it into practice in our lives. You may recall some of the past January ventures that we did. Two years ago, we did a series called DTO, which is short for Do to Others from the teaching. Do to others what you would have them do to you. 
We said, this is the golden rule. Everybody knows it, but how well are we living it out? So we put these little wooden chips in our pockets, and we went out and we tried to practice it at the start of the year in 2018. Wow. Then last year, we did a series in January, February called the Jesus Creed, where we took the two greatest commands, love God, love your neighbor. We tried to take those seriously. We had little uh, love God, love neighbor buttons that we would wear as a reminder to ourselves to actually live this out, to show the love of Christ to our neighbors. This is, we said, this is an important thing for us to do. We want to start the year by taking Jesus seriously, not just spending our time talking about his teachings and breaking them down and examining them and going, oh, isn't that interesting, but actually putting them to use. Back this summer, uh, I was spending some time with the Rettlesberger family up in Mount Shasta, California, and they were moving, so we kind of, we passed through town while they were saying, hey, do you need this? Do you kids want a drone? Because we're getting rid of it and we're not going to move with it. We're like, yeah, sure, we'll take a drone. Uh, Aaron went to his garage and he was like, do you need a power saw? <laughs> and I said, I don't know about need, but I'll take a free power saw. He's like, yeah, I've got more than one, and like, I'm getting rid of this. You can have it. And it was awesome. It's a 7.5 amp craftsman reciprocating saw. This thing is a beast. If you have a fence, it could cut your fence in half in like five seconds. If you're sitting in your house and you're going like, man, it's kind of dark in here, boom, skylight. That's all you need. So I have this awesome reciprocating saw. And guess how many times I've used it since this summer? You guessed right. <laughs> I have not used it once. I have not taken it out of its case. I have not even taken its case off of the shelf in the garage that I put it in when I first got it. It's a shame, too, because this is an awesome saw. There's a lot of things that it can do. It has a lot of power. I'm telling you this because I don't want our faith in Jesus to be like my saw. I don't want it to just sit on the shelf in your garage thinking, man, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. I'm sure glad I have it, but you're sitting in the dark. I don't want that to be us. And so we want to take the teachings of Jesus seriously. That is who we are, and that is what we do. So the teaching that we're going to take time taking seriously the first few weeks of this new year is Jesus' is teaching to forgive. Uh, this is something that he talks about a lot. It shows up in various places throughout the gospel. You might recall in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. One of the, the lines in the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. Go back and read it and look for the everyone there. Forgive us our sins. We're going to forgive everyone who sins against us. Not just somebody who spills their drink on you. This is somebody who sins against you, maybe intentionally, maybe carelessly, maybe without regard for your feelings, but we're going to forgive. This is our prayer. You might recall the story when Peter comes up to Jesus and says, yeah, but how many times should we forgive someone when they sin against us? Should we forgive them seven times? Because that seems like a lot. It seems like maybe they won't learn their lesson if we only forgive them or if we show that much forgiveness. And you know what Jesus said. Right? And whether he said uh, 77 times or maybe 70 times 7, he challenged Peter's stinginess and forgiveness and said, no, we're going to forgive and then we're going to forgive some more because that's who we are and that's what we do. So as with our other January teachings here at Tri-Valley, we're going to take this simple teaching of Jesus that's easy to remember, it's easy to understand. It doesn't, we don't need to study it for very long to understand what we're supposed to go and do and we're going to practice it. 
For the next seven weeks, the, the takeaway from the sermon is going to be the exact same thing. It's going to be forgive. Go and forgive. We're going to explore why this is challenging. We're going to practice it. I'm going to encourage you guys to share with one another whether you've succeeded at this, whether you've failed at this, what makes something easy to forgive, what makes something harder to forgive. We're going to dwell on this idea and we're going to try to go out and do it because this is who we are and this is what we do. I think forgiveness is something that ought to come very naturally for Christians for two reasons. Not just two reasons, but I thought of two reasons. Reason number one is that it was modeled for us. And reason number two is that we have been forgiven. Let's talk about reason number one. This should be easy for us because it has been modeled for us. It is something that we have seen a lot of. little side note that's related but may seem off topic. Uh, I'm going to name four celebrities, and I want you to tell me what they all have in common. Ready? These are all famous singers. Miley Cyrus, Nora Jones, Jason Bonham, not so much a singer, but he's still <laughs> musician. Uh, Jacob Dylan. What do these four entertainers all have in common? Yeah, they are children of other famous entertainers. Their their parents were celebrities from the time that they were born. They grew up with it. They they knew what it meant to be an entertainer. They knew about music. They maybe even have inherited some of the genes that their family. Uh, benefited from, from being musically talented. It was in their life. They're surrounded by it. It would be kind of weird in some cases with children of entertainers if they didn't know anything about music. If your parent was a famous musician and music was your life and your, your livelihood and you didn't pick it up, that would be something a little bit wrong with that. Well, in the same way, I think that we have seen forgiveness modeled for us by our Heavenly Father. This is one of the main characteristics of God. You might remember sometime last year we studied the God Creed, and we said there's this statement about God that keeps showing up again and again in the Bible, and it's about how God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It says that he maintains love to thousands, and he forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is one of the key characteristics of God. And in a psalm that we read and prayed through at the, uh, uh, just this past December, we learned that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has separated our sins from us. God is a forgiving God. And Jesus models forgiveness for us as well. He didn't just preach and teach about forgiveness, but Jesus actually practiced forgiveness himself. You can picture Jesus on the cross. He's suffering. He's been rejected. He's being executed. And you'd think he'd be like, man, forget these guys. This ministry didn't go so well. I'm out of here. But instead, what did he say? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He modeled forgiveness. He showed true forgiveness all the way to the end and beyond. He went to the grave. And when he was resurrected, he met his close friends on the beach. They were out fishing. They see him walking. And they're like, hey, there's Jesus. Let's go see him. Now, now's the time, right, where he lets them have it. He says, like, well, 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 look who's come crawling back. You want to be my friend again? You weren't so friendly back in Golgotha, back in Gethsemane. Where were you then? That's not what Jesus says. What does he do instead? Cook some breakfast. He restores the relationship that he had with them. He forgives them. We have seen great forgiveness modeled 
So we know what it looks like, and we know the power that it has to restore relationships. So it should be easy. It should come naturally for us because we've seen it modeled. Two, like I said, it should come naturally for us too because we've been forgiven ourselves. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus didn't just cook breakfast for the 11 apostles on the beach that morning. Jesus cooked breakfast for us as well. Through Christ, we have received forgiveness of our sins. So we realize we've been forgiven. We forgive. We are forgiven forgivers. This is who we are, and this is what we do. Ephesians 4.32 expresses it like this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm going to give you a little 2019 review here. We studied through Ephesians this last fall. And you might remember I mentioned that uh, you can break down the book of Ephesians into three sections that can be designated and described in three words. Do you remember the three words? Sit, walk, stand. Okay, a couple of you remembered. I know it's been a long time since 2019. Sit, walk, stand is how you can break down Ephesians. In the first three chapters, you just sit and you realize that God has done everything. Through Christ, the heavy lifting has been done. We contributed nothing, but we benefit greatly. We have received forgiveness and grace upon grace. That's the sit part. You have to sit and you have to understand that. Then you can get up and you can start to walk a Christian life. And then the end is the armor of God and you take your stand against evil. So sit, walk, stand. Well, this verse right here comes from the walk section where you will uh you're not going to be prepared to actually do this to go out and forgive until you've accomplished the sit section until you understand what great forgiveness we have in christ you know some sundays well saturday nights this happens to me about once a month i have an anxiety dream where i get up to preach and i get up to share something with the congregation and guess what I don't have a sermon. I look at my notes and they're blank. I get up there, there's babies crying, people are getting restless, and I'm standing going like, and I don't have words to say. It's, it's very stressful, and I'm, it happens literally once a month, and I'm hoping they'll go away at some point, but I don't know, maybe they're good for me. But as I think about this, this is kind of like this section here. Y- you can get out, you can go and you can try to do this, but you won't have any gas in your tank unless you understand the sit part. You're not going to be the kind of forgiver that we need to be until you understand just how much you've been forgiven by God and how valuable that forgiveness is. So we have to get the first part right before we can go out and do the second part. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 1, he talks about this forgiveness that we have. This is in the sit section. Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us. An interesting thing about this section is that the language that's used here is language about somebody being freed from a prison cell. This is releasing of a slave. This is freeing somebody who was captive previously kind of language. Paul is talking about how God has freed us through Christ. Uh, Here's a pop quiz now from the earlier part of this sermon. Remember the ichthus acrostic? Pop quiz. What was the last word in ichthus represented by the letter sigma what was that word savior Savior. that's right jesus christ 
God's Son, Savior. Christ is our Savior. He is the one who saved us. Through his forgiveness, Jesus handed us the key to our own prison cell. He said, here you are, but here you go. And here's the thing about forgiveness, that the key that Jesus gives us doesn't just unlock our own cell, but it actually unlocks the cells of others. It gives us the ability to forgive other people. We have been forgiven. We've been released from the prisons of our wrongdoings, our mistakes, our oversight, our shame, and now we can go out and forgive others because it's been given to us. We are forgiven forgivers. But we don't always do this. It should come naturally for us. It makes a lot of sense. We know what it looks like. We know we ought to do it. I don't think this is news to anybody here, but it doesn't always happen. Christians should be the forgivingest bunch of people you've ever met, but it seems like we are just as susceptible to holding grudges as anybody else. We chain people to the wrongs that they've done in their lives, wrongs that affect us, wrongs that don't affect us. We write people's names on the naughty list in permanent marker. We think that by avoiding past hurts and by avoiding people who have hurt us that that's going to resolve the problem and we don't realize just how corrosive unforgiveness is. And we've come up with a complex set of rules for who gets forgiveness and who doesn't. Who's in and who's out. Who's deserving and who's not deserving. And this isn't just me speculating. This isn't just me guessing and saying, this, is, this might be what happens among Christians. This is me sharing my ob observations with you guys. This happens in churches. This kind of thing happens in this church. This kind of thing happens in my life as well. But it shouldn't. It's not okay. It's not good. So here we are, the first Sunday in January, and we're at this cool part of the year. I used to not like New Year's resolutions. I kind of wrote them off and said, like, yeah, maybe you make one, maybe you don't. Maybe you, I see you jogging around the neighborhood. Maybe I'll see you in March still jogging around the neighborhood. Who cares? It's all just arbitrary. It's just another day. It's still winter. What's the difference? That used to be my attitude toward New Year's. But now I, I, I kind of embraced it. I think there's something good about these rhythms of our lives. You know, we make it to Thanksgiving. We get excited for Christmas. We celebrate. We take some time off. We're with our families. Maybe we're out of town. Maybe you catch a cold. Maybe you get over your cold. We get back into the normal rhythm of things. But there's something good in our lives about these recurring seasons and traditions. So if you're like me and you're like, ah, New Year's resolutions, ah, don't think about it like that. Think about it as we have this new year. And it's this season where a lot of people go, man, you know what I really need to stop doing? Or they'll say, man, you know what I really need to start doing in my life? And so if we are Jesus-following ichthus people, and I recommend, we say, you know what we really got to start doing is taking the teachings of Jesus seriously. And I'm not going to list them all and say, take them all seriously, because that would make you go, I don't know how to do that. Too many choices, you choose nothing. We're just going to focus on this one. We're going to examine our lives and see if they measure up to the standard that's prescribed and modeled for us in the forgiveness of Jesus. So this year, we are going to work on being forgiven forgivers. 
That's who we are. That's who we're going to be. And part of this uh, has already been accomplished. Just drawing attention to it and saying, hey, this is something we ought to do, has its own effect. Because a lot of times we don't do it because we've heard it and we go, eh, yeah, 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 but that's, that's hard, or I don't want to, or I've got my reasons holding my grudge. But me, just me getting up here and saying, hey, we ought to be forgiving, makes you start to think, who do I need to forgive? How well do I already accomplish this in my life? Uh, Brant Hansen, who's the author of a book called Unoffendable, says this, most of us don't get that many opportunities to forgive. And he says, once I realized that, traffic went from being an, ex- an exercise in anger to forgiveness practice. He treats traffic like forgiveness practice. And he says, life is so much better that way. I would recommend practicing forgiveness in traffic, especially if you have an ichthus on your car. The point is, we need to look for opportunities to forgive. So that's something that I want us as a church to do uh, this first couple months of this year. We're just going to do it more often. We're going to have our eyes open. We're going to be looking around for people that we can forgive, for situations that we can be more forgiving in. We're going to be better at forgiving people that we don't know. We're going to become better at forgiving the people that we're closest to, who for some reason seem to be the hardest people to forgive. We're going to talk about forgiving people in the little things, and we're going to talk about those past hurts, the big stuff that you'd probably not rather dredge up. And if this topic or this challenge is hitting you at an emotional level and you're saying like, ah, I don't know, it just kind of brings up some some anger in me, then I want to do a shameless plug for my 930 Bible class, which is right over here in uh, room six. It's called Unoffendable, and we're going to be talking about what we're supposed to do with anger. Spoiler alert, we're supposed to get rid of anger. We're supposed to become more unoffendable and not live by our anxiety our frustrations and our indignancy. So that's what we're going to be doing. That's what I'm going to be doing up here this uh, first part of this year. I hope that you join me for this journey. Each Sunday I'm going to help you become a better disciple of Jesus. To become more like that first century person who would write half of a ichthus in the dirt. Put themselves out there and saying like, yes, it's a risk, but yes, this is who I am, and this is the life that I want to live. And these are, these are just tools. And you might hear, like, writing response prayers, I don't know. Discipleship group, I don't know. I got my own thing. I got my own tools. That's true. There's hundreds of tools that you can use for Christian formation and spiritual growth. But there's something about this group of people doing these things together. And this is why I keep talking about them. This is why I'm trying to promote these things. I want people to to come together. I want us to grow together as a church. And these are just three tools that we're offering. I hope that you don't put them on the shelf in your garage like my power saw. That would be no bueno. Um, That's pretty much all my paper says this morning. So I'm going to close out in prayer, invite the praise team to come back on up here. Um, But again, I'm just really glad to be here. I'm excited for this new year. I missed you guys while I was gone. I'm looking forward to what God's Spirit is going to do when we take uh, these scriptures seriously as we journey through forgiveness together. I hope it's a blessing for you guys. Let's pray together. Uh, 
Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for not counting our sins against us. Thank you for redeeming us, for unlocking the key to ourselves, for offering us freedom in Christ. It's an amazing, tremendous gift. I know I take it for granted, but help me not to forget how valuable it is. And Lord, let me think about that forgiveness and let me be motivated to forgive others. Not just when they wrong me, but let me extend the forgiveness of Christ to those who don't think they need it. Those who don't know how valuable it is. Don't know of the greatness of your love for us. Ah, oh, how high and how, how wide and how long and how deep is the love that you have for your people. The great lengths and distances that you would go to rescue us, to redeem us, and to save us. God, we praise you for that. It's so good. God, we want to become forgiving forgivers. People who have been forgiven and extend forgiveness. Uh, so this week, I pray that you will help us identify areas in our lives that we need to work on. Let us not just hear the teachings of Jesus and walk away thinking that we've been changed, but let us apply them to our lives. Let us have the courage to make changes where changes need to be made. And let us do this together within the, the, the trust and the warmth and the support of this Christian community that you have blessed us with. I thank you so much for Tri-Valley. Thank you for these people. I thank you for this church. Thank you that we're bonded through Jesus Christ. Um, I pray all this in his name. Amen.